Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Lee Jondro with Abundant Grace Fellowship here in Keene, New Hampshire. And I just want to welcome the folks that are in the room as well as the people that are watching us from home. This morning, I'm going to be talking about vision. A lot of people, we get to a new year and we begin to think about the word for the year, where we're going. But I think vision is much deeper than that. Uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, being a person who wears glasses, if my glasses aren't clean, uh, you know, makes it difficult to see where I'm going. Same thing with, you know, the windshield on our cars. Anybody that's ever driven and had the windows fog up and things like that has found that it becomes more difficult. And that's really where vision comes in. There is probably no organization that we know that will succeed without some degree of vision. And apart from vision, the Bible tells us that people have the ability to perish, meaning it doesn't necessarily mean they die, but what it does mean is they, they have an inability to move ahead, to be carried forward and things like that. Without vision for our children, our children just grow up being reactive rather than being proactive. One of the things that I teach uh, people that work with me and things is that we need to be intentional about what we're trying to accomplish. If we know we're to do something, then we need to begin to take the daily steps. We need to put the incremental markings of where we want to go. And so even in a community or a city without vision, communities begin to perish. And so, so in becomes the same thing for a church fellowship. A church that doesn't have a vision for where it's going will struggle with its ability to encompass people, to embrace people. Uh, our mission statement here at Abundant Grace Fellowship is a very simple one. It is the first word is love. The second one is to train. The third one is to equip. And the fourth word is to repeat. As we've come into 2024, I felt about a month ago that we were being told that we needed to learn to engage with people. The very essence of a, a Sunday morning gathering or any gathering is it has to come in and have a place to go and, and, and an ability to take people with it. And so without vision, it says that people will perish in the Old Testament. And someone said that um, vision is foresight with insight based on your hindsight. Let me repeat that. Vision is foresight um, with insight based on hindsight. So let's break that down a little bit. Where are we going? Where do we want to go? We pull out our, our our phones now or we put plug in into place we want to go on our GPS. Many years ago, we worked with paper maps and things like that. We would write out the instruction of where we wanted to travel. We had to have a vision of where we were going. And so if we got lost on the way or we embraced a project that we were unable to get through, what happens is we need to take our insight into what might have gone wrong or the mistakes that were made and what do we do with that next. And from that place, we begin to develop a future place we want to go. So in the midst of everything, all one has to do is turn on any kind of news and we can see that people are going out of their, their minds. They're crazy with things, whether it's the elections, whether it's the economy, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, people, just, just people by themselves. What we're finding is that people don't have a vision. Um, as we come into 2024, people are looking for a leader that has the ability to coalesce, to bring people together and get them on a common road of recovery. And, and so we've seen the mistakes of the past. We have insight into what worked, what didn't work. Now we need to develop the future and where we're going. 
This is on an individual basis as well as it is on a fellowship slash church basis. Individually, where do you want to be a year from now? If you want to be a graduate of some class or you want to have a promotion or you want to start a business or you want to start a family or you want to purchase a home or get a new vehicle, all those things take forethinking. One of the greatest mistakes people make, and, and we, we've talked about it over the years, is they'll walk into a grocery store without having eaten anything. And they go in and everything becomes impulsive. They start to begin to make impulsive buys. And they get home and a while later, they look at all the things that they bought that they didn't intend to buy. That's what happens when you don't have a vision or the ability to see where you want to go. So in the midst of all this, George Barna said, a vision for ministry is a reflection of God, what God wants to accomplish through you to build his kingdom. Here at Abundant Grace, we believe that the number one thing we need to be able to do is to love people right where they're at, to embrace people where they're at. It's not about their sin or their lack of ability or anything like that. It's the ability to love people for who they are. Once you begin to love people, you begin to be bring an instruction to their life as the doors open on how to do things better. Maybe they don't know how to do a budget. Maybe they don't know how to take care of money. Maybe they don't know how to get a job. All those things. Uh, we get to do that. From a spiritual perspective, there are spiritual principles that operate in the kingdom. There are things like love and grace and forgiveness, um, humility, those things. If we're not exercising those things and we're not exhibiting those things, then we, we need to begin to take the time to see where do we want to be and what do we want to do that's going to cause us to be better. John Maxwell defined a vision in a threefold manner. He said it's the ability to see, the awareness. Are you aware of where you want to be? The ability to believe. It's your attitude. What do you believe? Do you believe you're going to start a business, purchase a home, uh, get, a, get a new vehicle, any, anything? Whatever that is, um, you have to have a belief in what you're doing. And spiritually, it's the same thing. If we want to see our ministry collectively grow or a ministry that you're doing, whether it might be feeding the poor or taking people into your home or instruction for children on spiritual principles, whatever those things are, you have to have an attitude of belief that those things can come to pass. And the next thing you need to do is you need to put your feet to the project. You have to have, take the ability and you need to begin the activity or the action that begins to move you closer to where you want to be. Vision is the ability to see beyond the surface of our human potential. There are people that come into our lives on a regular basis. People that come into the ministry, they like, I really believe God wants me to do something. And then they try to do it on their own with no support, no help, no nothing. And then they get hurt or they become disappointed or discouraged. The purpose of the body of Christ is to surround people in loving kindness and to bring people together with support through edification, through exhortation, and, and through encouragement, to speak life into places where there may not be any life at all right now. So it's a mental picture of a desired future. It is a picture of what can be seen that is not yet. What is it that we believe for? People talk about reaching out into their community, starting a ministry, starting a business. Begin to put pen to paper and begin to get your thought process into those things. It's a desired future. 
At Abundant Grace, our desired future is that we would impact our community on a regular basis through our through visits, through personal connection, through our digital media, through those things that we would be able to touch people and we would be able to connect people to vision. What is your vision? If you if you say that you don't have a vision, we're going to get to that in a moment. But vision without activity is a daydream. And, and it, this is a Japanese proverb, by the way. I should have said that first. The vision without action is a daydream. And action without vision is a nightmare. Many, many people come to us and talk to us, not just in, in a leadership capacity, but people that we encounter. And they don't have a vision for their future and they just bounce around. You know, uh, we, we talk about money, you know, related to people just trying to get ahead. And I was asked by a, a uh, person in an office the other day, we were talking about finances, we were talking about credit reports, and this person who is an intake worker asked me, what did I think about Credit Karma? And so Credit Karma, for those of you who don't know, is an application that's found online that takes the, 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 the uh, uh, aggregate of two uh, credit reporting agencies, and it gives you your credit score. Your credit score is what determines whether or not you're capable of purchasing a home, purchasing a car, being able to obtain a credit card. And this isn't about whether we think credit is good or bad. This is about many, many people lived in the darkness when it came to credit scores, but Credit Karma has come along, and there's others that have come along, and they've given people a path to better their their um, their credit score. Again, this is about whether credit score is good, bad, or ugly. This is about the ability for people to gain a vision through an application that shows them that just because mom and dad were never able to buy a car, mom and dad were never able to buy a house, it doesn't mean that we, their children, don't have the ability to do that. And in a time where the economy is up in the air a lot of times, the same thing is applicable to the to the stock market. There's applications that have come out that have taught people how to buy stocks without having to uh, go through months and months of training. I'm not saying to invest, you shouldn't have training. I'm just saying that these paths have been simplified. And, and so we look at the church and we look at the church at large. And so here, I, again, I'm being repetitive in this, that we love people, we train people, and we equip people. Not everybody wants to be loved. Not everybody wants to be trained, and not everybody wants to be equipped. That's not God's heart for you, but um, it's not about being in sin or not sin. It's about the ability to take a vision and begin to do something with us. Vision gives us stability, it gives us guidance, it gives us joy, and it gives us excitement. The God-given vision will bring glory to God, and it will fit us into his eternal purpose. A true vision from God is not self-seeking, but praises God and brings glory. When I was praying roughly six years ago now about what the vision was to be if we were to do anything, after we left our previous fellowship, the Lord spoke to me about abundant grace. And he spoke to me about that we were to be a purveyor, a carrier of abundant grace. And to be a purveyor or a giver of abundant grace, you need to learn to be able to accept grace yourself. If you want to be lover of people, you have to be able to accept love yourself. So our vision and, and our mission, if you will, is love, train, and equip people. We believe that there is no one that is too far from making 
a difference in the community where they live, whether they have a ministry with five or six people working with them, or they develop a church fellowship that has hundreds. And so for us to enter into that divine purpose, we need to have a vision to lead us into that. As we come into 2024, the vision for abundant grace, not vision, but the word, is that we are to engage people. As I mentioned, I engaged somebody the other day in the workplace as they were doing intake for somebody that I had taken. As I was in the um, urgent care the other day, I was engaging people. The ability to change community comes from the ability or the willingness to engage people right where they're at. And so regardless of the mistakes or the situations or the circumstances that you or I may be in, you and I have the ability to change those things and begin to take the steps that lead us to a better, um, a better place with a greater purpose. So again, we need to be proactive and we need to become intentional about where we're going to go. We need the godlike kind of vision that will enable us to find self-worth in helping to build the kingdom of God. It's not doing it just because we have to. It's doing it because we have the ability to do it because of God's grace that has been poured out into our life. As God moves grace into our life, the ability, the empowerment to make changes in our life and touch down in places to be are extremely important. I think that individually, one of the things that uh, I find with people is they don't know how to get a vision. And I don't mean that in a negative way. They may know that they want to start a business. They may know that they want to start a, a ministry. They may know that they, they need to do something in their workplace, but they're not sure what that is. So the first place I, I ask us to begin on an individual basis is ask God to begin to give us a vision. Give us a vision for our workplace. Give us a, a vision for our business. Give us a vision for our ministry, our church fellowship. What is the vision of the ministry here at Abundant Grace? Again, to be repetitive for the third or fourth time, love, train, equip. How can you love people? How can you train others? And how can you equip people for the work of the ministry? We're told in the book of Ephesians that the part of equipping is the place that helps people to develop maturity. It is the place that brings people into unity. If we want to see a unified community or a unified group of believers, we need to take the vision and begin to embrace it. So we pray for vision. What is the vision that God begins to develop in you? And from there, we begin to pursue that vision. When we left our previous fellowship, I was totally cool with the idea that I could sit on my couch and just eat chocolate candies. And, and what I did was I began to pray and ask the Lord what he would have me to do. And that wasn't the direction that he sent me in. So I began to embrace and pursue the vision that the Lord began to put in my path. You know, in my business, I have a vision for what that business is to accomplish. And, and so I pursue that vision. In the ministry, I have a vision for what God has put together for me and for us. And I ponder our vision on a regular basis. Just because God said to love people, that's a simple word. But how does that begin to break out? What are the nuts and bolts of that? As I look at the word engage for 2024, I ponder it. I think about how does that look for me individually? How does that look for the group of individuals that I meet with in home groups or that I meet with 
in this gathering? What what do we do with that? Some people, and there's no negativity, no disdain behind this. Some people are totally comfortable with where they're at, and they want nothing more than to just get together with people on a regular basis. And that's their decision process. And I am more than mature to leave well enough alone if that's all they want to do. I, I don't always believe that's what God would have for them, but that's their choice. And we need to respect people's choices. We don't have to get into great debates and things like that. We used to, you know, I've been in enough meetings over 30 years that people were, you know, put in places that they should never have been put in places. And they were taken out of places that they should never have been taken out of. One of the ministries that I was affiliated with, they believed that everybody was called to ministry. And to accomplish that, they were taking people out of great businesses. And I didn't agree with that then, and I don't think I really agree with that now. The second part is we need vision to empower what's going on inside of us. We need the word of God, both the logos, which is the written word of the revealed word, and, and the rhema word, which is the spoken word or the manifest word that is right now. When I heard the word engage, I could find lots of revealed word throughout the Bible about engage, but God put an emphasis on that word or his rhema word or his God-breathed word. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word of God, the rhema powerful um, dynamite power creating word. So when I heard engage, I knew that was a word for us, for me individually, for us as a gathering. And so the rhema word that you may hear is the quickening. You may, may know all the scriptures, you know the logos or the revealed word, but somehow it builds momentum and it transfers into something that begins to happen in your heart. And so it's the lifeline of the word of, uh, the, the lifeline of the vision. And so just because we gather on Sunday and we start our message at 10 and we have coffee at 9, that's not the be-all and the end-all. There's something greater than that. We do not just engage on Sunday morning. We don't just engage when we gathered at our home group. Our home group last week had young people, it had older people, it had people who had been around a while, people that traveled, people that didn't have to go too far to get there, and we had a great time in the things of God. But it doesn't end there. Engagement is something that is constant in many, many regards. I'm not saying you have to constantly be on for people. I'm not telling you not to sleep. I'm not telling you not to take time to meditate and hang out with God. What I am telling you is that engagement is going to be a more powerful word for you in the coming days. We have got very used to going on our computers and writing a few notes and doing a few things. I saw a church leader and I understand. He said, you know, I'm, I, I'm not reaching out to people anymore. I'll always be available to them. Thank you. I'll always be available to them, but I'm not going to reach out anymore. And part of it is, you know, there's those of us who reach out on a regular basis and we reach out to people who want to become available to people. But it's hard when you feel like it's a one-sided affair. And I'm not complaining. I'm not where that guy is. And that's that's his deal, not my deal. But But at the end of the day, each one of us needs to embrace engagement. What does that look like? We've become too comfortable with just becoming observers and seeing 
Facebook is entertainment and seeing meetings, even even gatherings, becoming some form of entertainment rather than a place that we engage with one another. So for us to see that empowerment, we need to search through the scriptures. We need to sift them. We need to take them and chew them up. And, you know, when it, we need to be able to share those verses, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Have you ever thought about what that really means? Or is that just something that has been tossed out when it comes to salvation? What if, who was God's begotten son? Okay, we begin to ask questions. We begin to sift through these things and we begin to come up with the results of our pondering what these words mean. So the next part is <clears throat> our work is to take the vision of Jesus and it's to reproduce it in others. Why do we begin with love? Because love is effectively the DNA of heaven, the DNA of the Father. And so we need to be able to take that love and we need to be able to see it reproduced in us and we need to see it be shared with others, sharing the good news of deliverance and good news of grace and the good news of goodness. And so we need to be able to take that and we need to be able to walk through these things with people. We need vision. The next part is we need vision to help us to remain connected. Because one of the reasons I felt that our mission statement needed to be as simple, because we can talk about love, we can talk about training, we can talk about equipping, we can talk about those things. It gives us dynamics the dynamics that were in the early church. They had a vision. They had what we call the Great Commission. It's found in the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, the book of John. And then again, we see it in the book of Acts. It says, go forth into all the world. And to do what? To bring people to deliverance, to deliver people, to cast out demons, to share the word, to preach the good news, and to do all those things. They had a vision. They, they gathered on a daily basis around the apostles' doctrine. They began to see their mission as reaching out to others, to engage in fellowship, to discipleship, and to service. And some people get caught up in the individualities of that word. Some people, all they want to do is do that service piece. And some people, all they want to do is get together with people and eat meals. And there's nothing wrong with any of those. But for us to be fulfilled in each other's lives, we need to embrace people and engage people at the level and the places that they're at. So whenever we as the church can get on the same page as the Spirit of God, we begin to experience the unlimited power of Christ in our lives. We have people that are in our fellowship who have been diagnosed with cancer. We continue to seek God on their behalf. We continue to pray. We believe God wants to eradicate cancer. We believe he wants to remove sickness and illness and ailment and disease. And we need to be able to have the ability to agree with God for the deliverance of these people from these illnesses. But we also need to gather around and believe the same thing. One of the difficulties is we get together and people start talking about sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so and what's going wrong in their life. And we barely just prayed that they would be healed. And so the Bible tells us in the book of James not to be double-minded, not to pray one way and think another. You need to be able to have a vision for what God is laying down in your life individually that you would see healing be the children's bread as it's expressed in the scriptures. 
Vision acts as a trampoline for change. It has the ability to catapult us beyond the blockades that have encountered in our lives. So the first thing we need to do for months and months, we would come in here and there would be the 12 steps of AA and the 12 traditions of AA were behind us. And the first step was the first step, admit it, admitted that our life had gone out of control and that our life had become unmanageable, admitted that our life had become unmanageable. So the first step is recognizing where you are in the process. If you don't believe in healing, then what will it take for you to become, to believe in God and his power that he wants to embrace and put in people's lives that we would see people delivered from sickness? If it's to see things move ahead or to see things better in a family or the ability to start a business or the ability to have a better place in the workplace, whatever those things are, you need to evaluate it. It does us no good. Step four of the 12 steps says that we take a searching, a fearless and searching moral inventory, but it goes bigger than that. What is not working in my life? Why is it not working? As a fellowship, every day I ponder what is working, not micromanaging it, but saying, God, what do we need to do here? What can we do better? How do we do this better? Um, those things are really important. So the first thing we need to do is to evaluate where are we in the process. And once we evaluate it, then we need to enforce the need to change. If you know that you need $20 to buy something and you have zero today, you know that you need to do something to accumulate $20, whatever that is. If you work for a dollar a day, you know that it will take you 20 days to accumulate that. So whatever that is, the steps, it's not so much about baby steps. It's about steps in general. You need to be able to evaluate where you are, say, this is the point that I begin from, and this is where I want to be. And then you need to enforce the need for change. And when you begin to do that, then become energetic about it. Just don't get let it put aside, but put something in front of you that reminds you, this is where we want to be. And the final part of this is that we need to know what does our vision include. We must have the vision to share the good news as a, as, a, as a gathering. We have to have a vision as a gathering to grow in the grace of God. And we have to have a vision for greater honor, that we honor people in each and every circumstance. We have to have a vision for children and young people who walk through the doors. And we have to have an ability to... Um, Help young people see the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is not found so much in the word as it is in the activity of heaven operating through people. The more people you lay hands on to see them recover from sickness, the more you will be energized in the ability to see God move and other people will begin to join you in that process. We have to have a vision to pray for one another. We have to be able to believe that there is a liberation that happens as we embrace God, that there is a freedom that begins to happen. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. And, and, and I don't say that lightly, but where there is great sin, there is an abundance of grace. And so grace is the power, the overflowing, as a friend said, of the banks of life. And grace begins to flow into that.
It begins to move against complacency and carnality and carelessness and criticism. It, it begins to move against those things by the nature as it replaces itself. Vision begins to help us embrace commitment and compassion. We become contributors and not consumers. We, we walk in a commonality. A, a common belief that we together are greater. We operate in synergy, that one plus one no longer equals two, but it is the, the, the sum is greater than the parts. It embraces us in a way that causes us to battle against the works of darkness and to uh, become encouraged. And we become people who commend people and encourage people and exhort people and edify people. And so as we get ready to take communion together, it is the great reminder that vision is what separates us from those that have no vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so as we come into 2024, it let us begin to pray for vision. Pray for vision in your individual life. Pray for vision for the leaders of your gathering or your workplace or your business, whatever that is. As you begin to pray for vision, you will see that God begins to show that and reveal that to you. Sometimes he will reveal that through his word, and sometimes he will reveal that through vision. One of the reasons that people stumble, whether it's especially, let's just talk about relationships for a moment. People stumble in relationships when they forget where they're going, where they planned on being. When you lose sight of where you want to be, you lose sight of how to take steps. So it's imperative, even in our relationships, whether they're marriage relationships or you know, familiar father, son, mother, daughter, you know, children and parents, or it's friends in the workplace, whatever those things are, it's imperative that we get a renewed vision or maybe a first time vision for what God wants to do in people's lives. As we take communion together, uh, I invite you at home to take it with us. As we take communion, the purpose of communion in, in part is a reminder that we are one body, regardless of whether you're sitting in this room today or you're sitting in a room states away watching this online. We are the body. When On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he lifted it to heaven and he asked God to bless it. And as he took it, he distributed it amongst his disciples and he said, this is my body. And just as we rightly discern this body that we partake in today, we rightly discern the body that's about us. So let we, we take the bread today. And in like fashion, he took the cup. One of the most amazing things is that this covenant that we exist in, we exist in this covenant because God made a covenant with Jesus. And we're caught right in the middle of that. As we drink of the cup today, we're reminded that it was the blood of Jesus that opened a new covenant covenant between God and God, a covenant that we get to participate in, that set man free from the sin that so easily beset him. And so we take this together. The disciples left that room, not totally understanding what the vision was that had been laid before them. But Jesus had said, as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. 
And what he was saying was not just hold on to my history, not just hold on to my past, but hold on to the power that I represent and the power that I give to you, that I endue you with power from on high. And so we as a gathering, we embrace that. If you're watching from home and you need prayer for anything, I do hope that you'll reach out to us, that you'll you know, send us a message. We'd love to join you in prayer and believe for healing and wholeness and restoration, reconciliation, all those things that God outlined. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we are ministers of reconciliation, restoration. God is in the restoration business. He's taken what's been broken and he's restored it and he's made it whole. So as we get ready to sign off this morning, uh, I hope wherever you live, you're safe, you're warm. We believe in you. Uh, we embrace the God who holds you high in his hands. And so for watchers from home, we're going to end this broadcast. We thank you for being with us. God bless you.